What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. It's a transfer deadline day special <laughs> where Man United aren't going to sign any players. And uh, do you want to melt down, Rob? Or do you want to just sit back and just let it unfold? Clip it up. I can't believe United are not signing anyone. It's the end of the world. We won't get top four. <laughs> We've seen it all, haven't we? Transfer deadline days at this football club at Manchester United. And some have been very interesting and some haven't. And this one probably won't be overly interesting for the Sky Sports News pundit sat on their their seat looking for a United transfer. But kind of all right about it. I don't know about you, Scott. What do you think? Well, I'm looking at Chelsea doing Enzo Fernandes. And I'm thinking... I really like Enzo Fernandez. I'd like Enzo Fernandez to come to United. But for that kind of money, that just looks to me as Man United of five years ago would do that deal. And yes. Chelsea have spent about 600. If, if this deal was through, which as it stands, we're recording at the start of deadline day. So if you listen to this afterwards, we're presuming that it will happen uh, because that money is crazy because he moved for 15 million pounds-ish literally in June last year. Uh, which is, I, I can't get my head around it really. Great player, uh, lots of potential, but that is a... Remember when Man United signed Paul Pogba for 89 million and they expected him to do absolutely bloody everything? Kind of kind of screams about that, a little bit of that. The, the Chelsea thing is really, really strange. Like we're, we're obviously not a Chelsea football show, so we won't go mad, but they are one of our, our nearest and dearest rivals, of course, in English football. Um 600 million that they've spent since the new owners come in is 5 million short of what the Bundesliga has spent in total. It basically should not be allowed to happen. No football club should be allowed to spend that that accumulation of money, 600 million, in that short space of time. So we don't want to have a go at Enzo Fernandez. We're both fans of the player. We both like him. Um, but the key point is what you just made there. 15 million only five minutes ago. That's what his value was. Yes, he's worth more than that now. Is he worth 105, 106 million? Not even a Premier close. League all-time record transfer. It's it's amazing, isn't it? I think this is the way the state of the game has gone. It's gone towards <clears throat> the glitz and the glamour, which has always been there in football, but it's now getting blown up in places where it shouldn't be. Like, it's, to be honest, so that boy can carry that price tag. That's on him. But every time he trips over his laces in the Premier League, it's mm-hmm. going to be a story. Yeah, and Chelsea are going to have to deal with that. Now, it does not mean that he's not going to be a great player or he won't develop into one and that Chelsea long-term might look back and go, 
money well spent 106 million because now he's worth 200 million but to think that to who though to but, who exactly who but buys think, him for 200 million <laughs> well no one buys him for that but it's just kind of faux computer game value again isn't it it's like oh he's, he's worth double now well is he so he's now worth uh eight times more than he was a year ago but that's only to Chelsea, so to Todd, to Todd Bowley. So Todd Bowley is playing a computer game in his own mind and 600 million just should not be allowed to happen. I am glad. I don't want to keep doing this because it's it's what we keep saying. I'm glad Man United are not doing that. I don't want that at my football club. I don't want that kind of pressure on the team. Yes, invest, but invest in the correct way. And of course, that means on transfer deadline day, Man United are going to buy no one. So Rob says, I don't want that on my, that to happen to my team. And no. I've said that on other podcasts that I've done in recent months. And the answer is, you've, you, you, you're a United fan. They've been doing that for years. Well, yes, they have. Mm. And it hasn't worked. Yes. <laughs> this is the point. We've so watched I've, that script. We've watched we? it happen we've, for 10 we've, years. We've seen that film play out. And then we've gone home and watched that film again and again and again and again. You can't criticize investment but you can criticize frivolous recruitment you can you can you can look at that and say it's well not that's not frivolous the right. rob they're all they're all players <laughs> signed under 24 they i think they've signed an 11 of players under the age of like 22 23 24 yeah and you, you, and what a plan for the future that is but you can't have 76 first team players <laughs> it doesn't work so i the person i feel sorry for here and we, again we said this off camera is the manager you know, this brilliant development coach that you've taken from Brighton and you put him in your club to develop talent. He had like 35 players at the start and yes, some were going and some were, you're going to sign some, but this does not play into what he does, does it? It's not kind of this big money mentality because he's now going to have to develop these players in about five minutes because if he doesn't, he gets the sack. And that's that. That's just the bottom dollar. This is Chelsea on steroids. People used to moan about Abramovich. This is the worst version of a team that just goes to buy the title or buy success and think that that's the way you do it. And I, I even think with other football clubs that are rich, they haven't done it in that way. I know City spent a lot of money. Chelsea, uh, uh, Liverpool spent money, but obviously recouped a lot. United spent tons of money. And what? where are we 10 years later? 1.7 billion on in transfers nowhere we're still we're still trying to tread water at least now we've got a manager i think develops your existing squad chelsea are going to go through that cycle i think of fail and repeat it's it's the wrong way of doing it it's just the wrong way of doing your business this is not a chelsea podcast uh, i'm sure if any chelsea fan does come across this given the reaction that i've had elsewhere um over the past few months talking about chelsea i'm sure that there will be chelsea fans who disagree um maybe there are some that think this is a bit overkill but yeah uh, if if you're a United fan a United fan get in touch with us as well do you think Chelsea will now ha- Chelsea are gonna have to win the league every year because they're outspending everyone that, that's how it works right that's 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 ultimately how you get judged Enzo Fernandez is gonna have to put up league need league leading tackle numbers double figures for goals double figures assists for every season that he plays for Chelsea from central midfield and do it all. He's going to have to. That's just how it works, right? And ironically, he's not really a showy type player. Like, he's not going to get the eye-catching metrics that people get excited about. So, yeah, he might he might do a really good job for Chelsea, and we both believe he is a good player. But at £106 million, 
My God, like we're in an age now where we need caps in football. We have caps in other sports across the planet. Football now needs wage caps. It needs spending caps. It needs proper financial fair play. It doesn't have those things. And we're just going to have a cycle of spending where eventually something goes to the wall. A club goes to the wall or some catastrophe happens financially. You're only one COVID pandemic away from all of this destroying football clubs. So you would have thought in the last few years, teams might have gone, yeah, we shouldn't probably cut our cloth like that at the moment. It's dangerous times. No. New owners, big money, billionaires, flexing, showing strength uh, and showing other people from other parts of the planet that we've got the money, we'll do what we want. We're talking about this in... Well, we're trying to do it in a Man United context and we will, the Enzo Fernandez part was meant to come at the end, but we just, we started <laughs> about it because uh, we were going to lead to that because it does somehow relate to United because they have been doing it that way over the past few years. And it looks like they will not be doing it that way on transfer deadline day because uh, Christian Eriksen is injured. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be out for yet, but it seems like four weeks is the name, is the, the amount of time that's been mm. bandied around a little bit. I'm sure we'll hear we'll hear from Eric Ten Hag on well after we record this podcast. So you might you might even know uh, by the time this comes out just how long Ericsson's going to be out for. Although Ten Hag does tend to keep his cards close to his chest with injuries, doesn't he? So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it doesn't seem like United will be replacing him even for a temporary loan as it stands. No. I'd be very surprised if there's a there's a player who comes in to replace him. We'll talk about if youth is the answer. And uh, we'll also look ahead to the second leg of the EFL Cup semi-final against Forest on Wednesday night as well, because United are just one game away from a cup final. They've also drawn West Ham in the FA Cup fifth round, I believe. And uh, I looked at the draw yesterday, Rob, and there's only United, City and Spurs left in the FA Cup of the big, like, the big hitting teams. And I say that about Spurs knowing... They haven't been great this season. Do, although I do think they'll, they'll probably, they might hit a vein of form in the second half of the season. Anyway, uh, that's what we'll talk about today. Get your questions in, get your comments in, uh, subscribe to the channel, join the community, like this video and subscribe to the channel. Uh, subscribe on your audio platforms as well, Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And you can catch us on Tuesdays and Fridays, twice a week for the Promised Land and Manchester United podcast. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B. And that promise and MU for the show. We've done the Enzo part already. How would you respond, Rob? We'll talk about Ericsson in a minute. Uh, what What is your message to United fans who are absolutely bloodthirsty for to to drop money when the Glazers are selling? And I've also seen it suggested that the just because the Glazers are selling it makes no absolutely no difference to whether they would buy players or not. That's mad. Of course it does. I'm so, of course it does. Like what? Anyway. It's so weird, isn't it? Like uh, I saw a ton of people kind of commenting that that uh that this is shows what the Glazers are and all of this and blah 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 blah. No, what the Glazers have done over ten years shows you what they are. So you've already got your barometer about what these owners like to do and how they like to manage stuff and how they've pillaged Manchester United. And yet people think on the end of a transfer deadline where they they want to be out the door as quick as possible, 
that they're going to now suddenly spend money to make sure you get in the top four for next season. Why would they bother doing that? I don't understand that. So there's some, some well, kind of... Like, and not, not to say that they won't sign players. We've obviously seen, seen them yeah. sign Val Veghorst, who is like going to fill a gap for six months and could help United get in the top four. But they're not going to sign Enzo Fernandez, or they're not going to go sign... I've, I've seen people pining for Weston McKenney. Like, <laughs> he's gone to Leeds. Oh, my like, God. What? Anyway. We know football is crazy. We work in the business. We know what the job is. It is, it is a, a mad industry, and it's got it's got worse over year after year after year with these things. But I just think the thing is, it's, I, I, it's, it's about what fuels fans and, and about what fuels their, their imaginations, about what they love about the game. And transfer... Transfer deadline day and the transfer window itself has become a cottage industry of football. And people are more interested in that than they are sometimes the development of the team or the tactics of the manager. It's it's purely win or lose and sign big players. That's kind of it. And Man United are not in that position to do that at the moment because these owners want to get out the door. And it's what fans are satisfied with. So, like, you know, Ericsson gets an injury and, of course, he saw the the viral photos of him limping out of Old Trafford. Did you see those, Scott, with the air boot on and the, and the uh, and the crutches and he's limping out at 10 o'clock at night? Definitely precautionary, by the way. It doesn't precautionary, look good, but... precautionary. We believe, as it stands, as you said, like this might be completely debunked by Ten Hag when his presser goes live, but we believe it's just a kind of, you know, ligament injury, kind of a month around that period. Yeah, it might be a little bit longer in terms of what you have to cover in the first team. We know that Ericsson has quietly gone about his job and done really well, don't we? But even with owners that are staying, you generally are not just going to buy someone because of that. You're just not. It's not not normal business. If you could get someone who could come in and help you immediately, of course, and I still think by the end of today, you know, it might go and get another loan, loan signing, but it doesn't look good at the moment. You know, they are kind of... They're closing down avenues. They're kind of saying, we're done. But that doesn't mean we transfer the line day. You know, an agent doesn't ring them up and something falls into their lap. It has happened in the past at all football clubs. So I just with Christian Eriksen, the immediate worry is that you can get him back within a month. But then, of course, what do you do in the next four weeks? And, you know, we'll discuss that here today. But I think your options are limited. But I don't actually think your options are awful, like not disastrous, which some Man United fans totally believe that Christian Eriksen's out the team, you've got no chance of getting top four. I mean, look, me looking at it, I'm a little bit worried. A oh. little bit. Because I know how, how important Eriksen is to the team's style. I've said all season that ultimately I think there's a... They really lack depth mm. in that position. Uh, I... I know that I, and I'll reiterate it again. I think Frankie De Jong is the ideal answer there. Suggestions this week that, um, although I have heard Eric Ten Hag is still absolutely fixated on Simon De Jong. I think yes. the, there's suggestions from elsewhere that they're going to look to potentially a young midfielder in, in the summer to kind of come in. And I think that should be the case as well. They should definitely do that. Um, I just think De Jong is like tailor-made for this. Uh, but yes, that's not going to happen today. That's not going to happen before the start of next season. That's not going to happen under these owners. Uh, although Frankie De Jong might rock up at Old Trafford in the next month, <laughs> which should be quite interesting. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about Ericsson being out, but obviously United have four midfielders now. They have Casemiro, McTominay, Fred, and Bruno Fernandes. And that's four midfielders for three positions, which is not, not ideal. 
But Rob, you uh, you've often been an advocate for play the kids, and uh, you've been saying play the kids mm-hmm. over the last few days and getting a bit flack for it. I've been saying play the kids, saying play the kids for all like a long time. And I think the thing is, again, people take that statement as some kind of uh, version of totality, that that's all it is. Play the kids and that's all right. And you're fine. And you'll come eighth and, and that's your fault, isn't it? Um, you know, Scott, we did it on here, the show about Garnacho earlier in the season. Why was Garnacho not getting preseason minutes? Should Garnacho be expedited into the first team? You know, you've got wide players. Should you sign Anthony or not? Because you've got so many wide players. You can have the debate to your blue in the face and go on about it nonstop. I think when you've got kids, the most important thing is, is are they good enough? And can you get them into the first team in a kind of rotational form without killing them? Because no one wants to bring them in and destroy their confidence or destroy their ability to play football. So the two players I want to talk about at this moment, because I think it's a needs must situation, is that if Ericsson's out for four to six weeks, and that's kind of what we hope and nothing longer than that, nothing more serious that you then supplement them with the deputy. So you've just mentioned four midfielders there that will undoubtedly be part of the main rotation. I think we'll see maybe Bruno Fernandes drop a little bit deeper to do the number eight role that Ericsson has done so well for a period of time. I don't think he's that great at that. I don't want, I don't really want Bruno picking the ball up on the edge of his box. Please don't do that, Bruno. Just move it quickly. He does tend to give it away at times. But I do think that if you're looking for a floating eight, man, like they've got two kids in the first team already that can play the floating eight role that Ericsson does. And that is Kobe Manu and obviously our lad Zidane. So Zidane Iqbal, this is the thing about these players have not played minutes so far. And people are like, well, obviously means they're no good or they're not ready or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. No, we've just not needed them. But they've been in the first team squad and they've been learning all of the methodology and all of the philosophy that Ten Hag brings to him to the football club. That's the key, Scott. Like if you go and buy someone now to cover the Ericsson minutes, how are they supposed to learn the system in, in, a, in a few days or weeks and think that that's effective? doesn't matter how good you are. really doesn't. So it's about players who have already been doing that for many, many weeks. These two young lads have been part of this development at Man United. So if you need to pay them 10, 15, 20 minutes here, there, or even start them now and then in certain games, do it. Give them the opportunity. It's not sink or swim. This is development and needs must situation. So Ericsson's out for four weeks. You bite the bullet. It's a shame. We all want Ericsson to play, but injuries happen. You can't just go and solve it in the transfer market every single time someone gets a knock for a month. So, interesting opportunity, actually, because United play Palace on Saturday, I believe, mm-hmm. and then they play Leeds twice, and then they play Barcelona. Yeah. Um, obviously, they drew at Palace a few weeks ago. They play Leeds back-to-back in the league after the, the first game was uh, postponed. Mm-hmm. But the Forest game with a three-nil lead, good testing ground, I guess. Manu has played sixty minutes in the FL Cup so far, and has played seventeen minutes in the FA Cup so far this season. Sudanic uh, yeah. Bell, I don't think has played any senior minutes this season so far. Um, but could we see one of them start against Forest? Both those players had takers in the loan market, so United could have sent them out on loan. The reason why they didn't send these two specifically out on loan is they've spent so long with the first team now over these period of weeks 
that they believe they're useful. So Eric Ten Hag believes these two players are useful. So you're right. I think, again, when you look at the situation with the way it's developed with the League Cup, and I'm glad the way United went and did the business at the City ground, that's what we wanted. We want to see them get the result and then you can come back to Old Trafford and then you can rotate maybe a tiny bit more than you wanted to. You're forced to do that now with Ericsson being out. But yes, this is the opportunity to start one of those boys or give one of those boys significant minutes, you know, 20, 30 minutes in the second half or something like that. I'm not as scared with playing these 18-year-old kids, and I know Kobe's only 17, isn't he, if you think that they're physically up to it. And you know, sometimes you look at young players and you go, they're just not physically there. These two lads have come a long way in the last 12 months in their physicality. When you watch them, you can see it. There's growth. So... You know, all those years ago, Scott, when you should have played Paul Pogba as an 18-year-old and you didn't, yeah, and you played Rafael De Silva in the centre of, of, of midfield and then you lost him and then you went and re-bought him a few years later for 90 million. I'm not saying that's the case with these two, but I do think that Kobe Manu could well be a superstar in a few years' time. Like, look at Jude Bellingham. He's, he's only a few years off him. So I think he's really a, a high standard already. And people have not seen it because he's not played. So you've not had the opportunity to play him. If you've got four weeks here, give these boys a minute. Give them opportunities. You know, that's why they've not gone out loan because they're, they're here to be used. They're part of the squad. They're part of the squad. Use them. Don't go mad, but use them while you can. And as you said, you've got the second leg coming up. You can rotate a little bit. I think one of those two lads in there with Casemiro and say with Fred, say you do play a three. Yeah, I think you're right there with that, with one of those two lads. I'd rather one of them played than Bruno playing back there. I'd rather see Bruno at the top end of the pitch because that's where he does his damage and his best work. Got a hunch here. I think you might see Casemiro play with, with Manu tomorrow. That's, that that was that would be what I what yeah. I suggest. Uh, and United are still Premier League opposition want... as well. Yeah. You know? United still want to play 4-1-5. They still want to play this. They're not going to change the system simply because Ericsson's out the door. You've got a lead against Forrest. You, what you did worked at City Grounds, so you're going to do more of that. You'll see Casemiro sit in the pocket. He'll do that job till he's, you know, till he's like 100 years old. That's what he does. He, he loves doing it. He can do it so easily. And someone like Manu and also Zidane love playing as the eight going forward. They're, they are technical players. Chuck them in there. Give them a go. Don't, don't sweat about it. You know, I think United fans get worried about this kind of stuff. You've got to see it before you can judge it. What about, Rob, I'm going off topic here, but Arsenal are signing Jorginho from Chelsea for around 12 million. It is, it is transfer deadline day, so forgive us. If we're going off topic today, everybody loves transfers. Maybe they're a bit overplayed, but you know that is what makes the football world go round. And it is the busiest day of the year, or the second busiest day of the year. I think the summer transfer window is probably busier than this, but this one's pretty crazy. Yeah. Arsenal signing Jorginho. Would you take Jorginho at United? Well, it feels like the summer transfer window, the way everything's been talked yeah. about, isn't it? It really does. And we, here we are in uh, in deepest January. Um, yes, I would. I think for 12 to 15 million, I think he'd be an asset to any team. I think the bigger question is, does Jorginho help you next season and beyond? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, does this manager look at Jorginho and say, yeah, in six months, he will definitely be in my rotation. He's the kind of player that I want. Now, Jorginho would be happy to sit on the bench. Fine. But he's a relatively high-wage signing. He makes absolute sense for Arsenal, who are trying to win a title now. And, you know, in a defensive function, he could help them in terms of rotation with party. And yes, you could say that you would rotate Casemiro and Jorginho. But I'd rather just play Casemiro. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, 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 like that's not going to happen in any kind of willing circumstances. So there's no way the Glazers are just going to give £12 million away today because they want that player. I think if you could get someone like him on loan for six months then that helps your rotation in the short term. But like I just said, I don't think you're going to bring in players now just because you've got a knock in one part of the park. If Ericsson's out for the season, that would be slightly different. You might have to then expand your numbers because of that. Like you lose Cristiano mid-season, so you, you've lost a striker, you bring a striker and it makes total sense. Um, if Ericsson's fit in four weeks, Ericsson's starting again. Ericsson's back in yeah. the team. You want him playing. That was like, a disgraceful tackle, by the way. Andy Carroll was like on one. Disgraceful. Like, absolutely disgraceful. disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Like, and, and, and you know, I, I'm not into all his players being protected, Lark. But, you know, I know he got sent off in the end, uh, Andy Carroll, and, and rightfully so. It's know? like he was trying to. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's something not quite right in the dexterity of how you want to play the game. Like he did it, and he's off, and he's gone. But of course, someone like Christian Eriksen, who's had incredible adversity himself, probably doesn't need someone sliding through the back of him like that and removing his ankle. Um, but there you go. That is what it is. And I think players do accept that. You know, bad tackles do happen. Uh, but it's a bad moment for Man United because we've said this all season that you know you don't really want to lose someone like Eriksen because of the function that he brings. He gets the ball moving and he does his job nice and quietly. You know, it's not a superstar in it, but he does that role so much better than even, say, Paul Pogba ever did because Paul Pogba had nothing around him and Pogba had to be the six, the eight, the ten, the left-sided player, the everything, the person that shoulders shirts, everything. Someone like Ericsson, much, much more suited to doing it. And we really hope that the press conference hasn't happened while by the time you've watched this. And we hope that the manager hasn't said that the injury is worse than we think. I think if the club knew that the injury would be worse, I think they'd behave differently. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
That's you've got to have a bit of trust. Have a bit of trust. What I've been first. told. I've like, been told. I know. I know it's hard to trust United given how they've behaved over the last ten years. But yeah, and you can always say oh, it was different this time, but I actually think it might be this time. Well, a lot was made out about the air boot, you know, that he was wearing the air boots. It's completely normal now. They have air boots galore, you know, by, by the training room. This is the thing. When you have that there, the air boot is there to, to stabilise an ankle or a foot or a lower leg and to make sure the swelling doesn't go crazy so the next day the player can't walk. So it's it's just a control method. He, he wore the air boot. It's completely normal for a player who who's had his ankle taken out from behind him like that to have that form of treatment straight away. Let's talk about potential departures, Rob. I know this is going to like obviously be outdated by the time eleven o'clock UK rolls around tonight. Mm. Uh, however, let's let's talk about some that could happen. I think Anthony Alanga has ten clubs after him on loan, and there's mm-hmm. suggestions that uh, United could let him go. It seems like Facundo Palistri is staying. Yep, and I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, Ilanga uh, has a choice of a number of clubs. He could leave today. Mm-hmm. And let's do that one first, and then we'll talk Harry Maguire if you want. Yes, yes, let's talk Harry Maguire. Um, but no, I think first of all, just saying about Palestri, glad he's staying. Again, we've heard good things in terms of the manager wants to use him in rotation. I think we're going to see more Palestri. I think we will probably see Palestri start games potentially in this next cup match coming up tomorrow. I mean, this might be out of date already by the time you watch it, but I think he's going to get significant minutes. Um, but I think when you look at Alanga, you know, Alanga provides that assist for Bruno the other day. And again, he's a player whose stock is really low in the eyes of a lot of Man United fans. And I think it's a shame because he's not as bad as people keep saying. Like, again, he's not a championship winning piece, but he's a person that can help you do different things. He's quick. He's skillful. He just needs to develop. So, yes, he does have 10 clubs after him. And I think we will probably see him go out on loan. And I think he'll do quite well. I think wherever he goes... He's the kind of player, I think, that will take the opportunity of more minutes and more minutes will mean better performances. It's tough coming off United's bench and being a consistent entity, isn't it, Scott? Like, it's difficult. And I think Garnacho showing you can do it and get 20, 30 minutes here and there and be an impact player. I'm not sure Alanger is that kind of player. I think Alanger actually needs starting minutes probably more, but you can't offer it to that, that to him as it stands. But again, so you get one or two injuries in a few weeks' time. You might be looking to keep an Alanga. So I'd like to see him go out on loan, but I'd like to see a recall option. I really would. And I think that's really important in loans now that do you recall players if you desperately need them? Because there might be scenarios where you can't buy your way out of a problem. So let's talk Harry Maguire and potential exits because there's been suggestions Mm. that um, as any good club who plans ahead does that United are making kind of decisions on what they will do for the summer market in uh, in this, maybe maybe not this week, but let's say in the next month. That's me kind of uh, suggest. It's not, not based on anything. I just think it's something... I've, I've read something similar to that. Sorry, I can't spit my words out. Anyway, United have decisions to make. They have, obviously, a takeover looming, which nobody knows what's really going to happen there yet. But they have to squad plan. And there's been suggestions that United are looking at the current squad that they have and are considering which players they would potentially willingly part with to raise some mon- some funds to reinvest. Yeah. Victor Lindelof. And well, so Inter are losing Milan Skriniar in mm. six months <clears throat> to PSG by the looks of it. Yeah. Should United be on that one? That's uh, that's another question. Formula However, target. <laughs> yeah. However, Inter 
have been, I've seen them linked this week with both Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire. Now, Scott McTominay has also been interesting Newcastle. Yeah. That's not going to happen this month. We wrote about that yesterday on 90min.com. But are these players futures in jeopardy? Could United go and look at these players in the summer and think, right, if we need to invest, like pick up some money, 20, 30 million here and there to reinvest in the team, are these the kind of players that we're looking at? Yes. So like, I, I think, you know, even today on transfer deadline day, if Manchester United got the summer money that they would want for Harry Maguire and to take that wage off the bill, they would sell him today. I believe that. Um, there is a more than a feeling that Manchester United are looking to shop him. So meaning in the sense that they're looking for takers and they're looking to start negotiations somewhere down the line. So this is what happens in football all the time. It's not new. It happens to every player, I think, in the same position as Harry Maguire. Club captain who's no longer really in your first rotation on big money. Obviously, it was a big transfer fee. And how do you get him off your books without losing him for nothing, eventually a la Phil Jones down the line somewhere, you know, like where a player becomes, has no monetary value to you at all, cannot help you with your squad build. I think the thing is with Harry Maguire, and we saw him kind of play minutes the other night, he's still Harry Maguire, yeah? He still will have a market, and I think someone like Inter would really appeal to him, maybe in a way that Roma appealed to Chris Smalling. You know, you can go out there and boost your value again and enjoy your football and play lots of minutes. Harry Maguire would be perfect for Italian football. Mm-hmm. Absolutely perfect. He'd be God out there. They'd think he was amazing, you know, because he could do that role and that function that that their league likes to play. But I do think he's surplus to requirements at Man United. And, and I think, again, you'll see with Ten Hag, that Ten Hag will do it in a delicate, you know, professional way. He's not going to ostracise the player. He's not going to make the player feel bad. He's going to keep the player involved until he's no longer useful and then the player will be gone. And I think that's kind of the future for him and for Victor Lindelof. Like I think if Man United want to say bring in a younger centre-back, say next season to deputise for Martinez and Varane, and those two guys are the starters, there's no doubt about it, in the manager's eyes and in fans' eyes, then you've got to move some of these centre-backs off the books. And I think it's easier to move a Lindelof and a Maguire than it even is to say move a two and Zabi. Do you, you think it be both? Twin Zabi's out of contract in the summer, uh, I believe. Phil Jones is out of contract in the summer. Ericton Hogg has said, I don't think Phil Jones will play again this season. Something along those lines or this week. Ever again or for ever United. Again. <laughs> yeah. his, his contract that he signed in 2019 is finally up this summer. Yeah. Uh, you know. I, I think Man United will look to move both simply because of the wage implications. So we talked a little bit about Chelsea at the top of the show and about kind of FFP. Man United are in this kind of one eye looking forward scenario now with their wage bill about how do you trim the wage bill without hurting your chances of winning or hurting your first team? There's no doubt that the fringe players are where you're going to get those savings from. And yeah, we're in a different world now to the Ole world. Like Maguire and Lindelof are not starters, thank the Lord. Yeah, you know, I don't really want to see those boys starting from Man United. I don't think it helps you. They're too slow. But it also means they're also decent enough as, as international footballers that they have value. So you've got to move the value asset, assets off your books and maybe then bring in youth and look for players who are younger, 20, 21, 22. You know, Ted and Mengi make strides in the next six months or a year. You're looking at retaining a Mengi because losing him doesn't really help you. Keep him, develop him, and move one of the more senior players off the books. I don't believe that, that Maguire or Lindelof, either one is better than the other. I know in the manager's eyes, I think he prefers Lindelof over Maguire. But I think you only keep him if he is a 
genuine part of your rotation. I don't believe those two players are. And there's plenty of other players like that, Scott. You know, like the Donny van der Beek's of the world. You know, kind of, you're, you're a substitute, but are you ever going to be a starter? If the answer is no, then you're probably going to be shopped in the transfer market. We'll see. Nothing's going to really... I don't expect anything other than a langer really to happen on deadline day. But United have a lot of planning to do. Yeah. Obviously, they want a striker in the summer. Did you see Victor Osman's goal at the weekend? It's, uh, the, the, the boy is mustard. Like We, we all know how good he is. Um, it doesn't change from our opinion from last week and beyond where we talked about suitability and what the manager's looking for. Um, but yeah, if you signed an awesome and you'd obviously be delighted. If you save the money now, uh, Scott, to spend in the summer transfer window and you get an awesome and kind of have to live with it, don't you? That's kind of how things are. And that's probably how things should be. But yeah, an amazing goal. He's, he's a great player. There's no doubt about it. And a really high ceiling. And I'd be interested to see what he would do in the Premier League. What what did uh, Jose say about him the other day? Jose was kind of commenting about him and saying about suitability for Premier League and how good he is and things he couldn't do and th- things he can't do. It's it's uh, it's a player who's on the rise, isn't it? And if you bought him, you would the expectations for your football club would just double overnight. Potentially firing Napoli to their first title in thirty odd years, and that's no mean feat. Mm-hmm. Yes, that Napoli team looking looking very 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 good. At the moment, uh, one of the two top teams in Europe, it's been suggested. Anyway, uh, Champions League's rolling back around, which United are not in. We'll see how Napoli do in that. We'll see how Victor Osman does in that. Rob, I'm out of notes today. I mean, transfer deadline day. Yeah. And we haven't got much to talk about. Well, I'll I'll ask you a hypothetical question because it's a possibility today and don't think it will happen and, and beyond. But, you know, I asked you off camera, I'll ask you again on camera. Do you think Manchester United should recall Hannibal Medjbury from his loan? to be part of this rotation while Ericsson is out? I don't. Because <laughs> I've seen what Eric Ten Hag has said about loan deals. Yeah. Same with Ahmad, right? Yes. Uh, I think he, he spoke about Ahmad earlier this month, I think it was, and he said, no, we've done that loan specifically for a plan and we want to stick to that as much as we possibly can. Uh, like like you, Rob, I think I'm in the, I'm in the camp of this. If it's only four weeks for Ericsson, I know there's a lot of games coming up. But I think you can get by. Yeah. I think you can with Manu, Iqbal, Fred, McTominay. It, it, it's, it's not fun to hear for fans who are thirsty for millions and millions and millions of pounds dropped on the next big thing. But like at the end of the day, I would prefer United held their, held their nerve a little bit and instead of acting on impulse, got a player that they really wanted, that they planned out, because I'm sick of United spending money frivolously. Mm. Uh, and yeah, maybe a loan deal would be a good, a good thing for them to do. But I mean, if, it, if it's only three, four weeks, I think they can cope and I'd be happy with that. But I, I would say on Hannibal, leave him develop because he's been put out on loan for a reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, the, the idea with Hannibal, of course, and the reason why they, they, they uh, made the loan at, at Birmingham is exactly what you said there. The idea is to help his own levels of maturity, you know, so he kind of has more responsibility at Birmingham. Um, he's kind of been a bit hit or miss, been really good at times, really, you know, not as good at others. And I think that's normal for a younger player. Uh, we know he's already a full international. Uh, I, I'm not wholly against it. Like I think that if 
if you believe that those two youngsters are not quite ready, and I think most Man United fans do believe that, I don't, I think you can use them. But say the manager believes that, then I think there is some case to bring Hannibal back into your rotation. The issue is the same as getting a line so- loan signing. The boy has not been part of this development squad from really from the summer onwards. Like he's not been, he can press, he can do all the stuff. He would be brilliant, I think, in a 4-1-5. Like he's, he's absolutely mobile and he's a bit of a killer in the middle of the park. He understands how to kind of cut cut plays in half. He's a, he's a real he's a real asset, I think, in the future for Man United. I think he could be a really good player. But I kind of think the other two young lads can do that as well at the moment. So yeah, you might, it might be better off leaving Hannibal where he is and giving these two boys the trust and I think United fans have to trust it. Like, can you imagine as well? Say these two boys do play Scott, and say Ericsson is out for six weeks, and these two boys play really well, like really well. They come on and they blow people's minds and show they're valid at seventeen and eighteen years old. You got two extra amazing assets with Garnacho, haven't you? In the space of no time, that you are on the way to developing to be better players and to be squad players. I would much prefer that than just frivolously going out and buying more footballers. You've got to have a balance. You're a Glazers supporter, Rob. I know. I get told this, Glazer, you love the Glazers, Rob. Rob, you're a Glazer fan. This, Even though, of course, I've written hundreds of articles and done hundreds of shows about how parasitic these owners are and how bad they are at the football business and what they've done to our blessed football club. Yes, I support the Glazers. No, I just don't support idiocy in football. I mean, you have to balance. So like, you have to have a balance. Let's just hope, Christian Eriksen, that it's not four to six weeks. Let's hope it's two weeks. Let's hope it's three weeks. Let's hope he's back sooner rather than later. We've got a lot of games coming up and we've got a squad that you're going to have to stretch a little bit now. With injuries, it's totally normal to have to play other players. And I'd rather see those two lads in a rotation than maybe lots more McTominay minutes. You know, I'd lo- I'd rather see those three then kind of eat them out. Fred's been pretty good, hasn't he? We've said this, Scott. I mean, Fred's done well. So I think Fred naturally gets extra minutes and extra starts and he's Casemiro's best friend and they love each other and they get on with each other and that's fine. But I think United will carry on playing this 4-1-5, you know, this kind of shape, a 4-3-3, progressive, pressing shape and you need players with engines to do that. Those two boys have got engines. I'm sure you'll see more crazy transfers. The latest one is Matt Doherty is going to Atletico Madrid. Uh, from. <laughs> That means you'll be at Newcastle in two years' time. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. Interesting tactics from it, it's going to be a weird wind today. Like we're going to be yeah. super busy. You know, this is the job, and we do this. And like transfer windows sometimes are exciting and awful, and 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 everything in between. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster today, and it's going to be quite a few surprise transfers. I know the agents on the ground are going crazy. They're looking to move their their products. That's what some of them call their players. They're trying to get their players into other football clubs in different situations. Um, just probably won't be Man United that are picking up anyone. And I think as long as we stay stable, I'm kind of all right with that. Go and do your business methodically. Support Ten Hag the correct way. Yeah, sorry it's not been a purely Man United pod today, but hopefully you can understand that there's some uh, connections, I guess, to what other clubs are doing, to how United have behaved in the past and how they should behave or how they shouldn't behave. Anyway, uh, that, that's our show for today. We all United got excited played... about Falcao, didn't we? Did, Remember that? Yeah, I definitely did. I got excited. I was singing the Falcao song before it ever got to the terrorist chance of Radamel Falcao, you know, but doesn't always help you, does it? You think it does because it feels good, 
but something that feels good doesn't always necessarily that mean it's right. That's a little bit philosophical, but it's true in football is that you can go and get anyone really if you pay the money, but it doesn't always mean it's the right signing. That's Rob's message for you. Let us know if you're happy with United not doing any business today. Let us know if, uh, <laughs> you know, Rob is a Glazers fan. <laughs> uh, well, I, I love the Glazers t-shirt, something like that. I yeah. could not be happier the day they've gone as long as the next set of owners are not as heinous as they are. So it's a kind of balancing act, really. Um, but I don't think transfers... Like, we spent 1.7 billion, Scott, in the last 10 years on players like as a club. Chelsea like, has spent half of that yeah, in six months. <laughs> Chelsea spend that. That's pocket change for Chelsea, isn't it? But, yeah, you'd have to spend money, don't you? But I think at the same time, I don't get excited about the transfers. The transfers are not why I'm a fan of football, why I love football. The transfers is the byproduct somewhere along the line. It's how you build. Um, I don't play football manager, fantasy fo- like that, that. I play fantasy football, but uh, I don't really want to see those ethics being taken to the real game. But of course, it is here, and there are fans that absolutely love all that. Yeah, anyway, we hope that you come to the promised land for some non sensationalist chat. I don't, I don't think we give you too much sensationalist, do we? Uh, and I think that's kind of been the attitude today. Uh, let us know if you agree with us or disagree. Uh, let us know a player that you would like United to sign in the remaining 11 hours or however long we have of, of the transfer window. If you think, if your head is imagining that United have 60 million on to spend or 115 million or 105 million, if that's that's because that's what Chelsea are putting up for Enzo Fernandez. Uh, crazy, not too much, not too crazy at Old Trafford though. So we'll we'll be back uh, later this week after United negotiate the second leg of the EFL Cup against Forest. Back to league action at the weekend. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, and catch us Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube twice a week. Uh, head over to the channel, like this video, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment for us, as I said, and follow us on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at PromiseLandMU for the show as well. Final thought, Rob? Jaden Sancho is going to be like a new sign-in. Oh, God, that old line. That that chestnut is going to get rolled out by Man United the next day or two. I think you're going to see a lot of Jaden content in the next week from Manchester United socials. Um, and But unfortunately, there is some truth in that. Like, if you bring Sancho back into your rotation, it gives you a genuine first-team player who can give you minutes now. Of course, he's had other situations going on, um, but you hope that he can kind of acclimatise back into the team. And if he does... It does kind of mean that Bruno Fernandes can play midfield minutes a little bit more, even though that scares me, Scott, more than Bruno getting the ball 15 yards from David De Gea than actually Kobe Manu or uh, Zidane playing extra minutes as a floating eight. Remember, Jaden Sancho cost 70-plus million when he signed. So there's your new signing. Anyway, <laughs> maybe it's your transfer deadline day treat that Jaden Sancho gets reintroduced <laughs> against Forrest. Uh, on February 1st. Anyway, thanks everyone. We'll be back later this week to hope, hopefully United will be in a final by then. Uh, hopefully there's no forest miracle where they turn up at Old Trafford and score four times. I, I mean, I don't think that'll happen, but it's football, right? It's but we crazy. feel better about those things though, don't we? Like, you know, the old, we said that about last week. We went, oh, we're like, you know, United not negotiating these situations a while ago, but now negotiating them. That's what felt so good about the cup game, Scott. That even though they didn't play great for the whole 90 minutes, They just got it done. That's what good teams do. Thanks, everyone. We will see you soon for another Promised Land podcast. Enjoy your week ahead. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.